Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family, it's time once again for us to step out of our closets, to dump our excuses, face our fears, and to truly start to live our lives unapologetically. And real quick, before we dive into today's show, where we're going to have some great breakthroughs, just want to remind you that if you are interested in living your life uncloseted, hop over to the website, rickclemens.com or Life Uncloseted, the podcast, and take the little life assessment um, challenge there. I think it would be really eye-opening for many of you. And if you want to have a chat with me about that, just sign up for a free consultation and I will definitely dive in with you and like look at what you found out. And speaking of diving in and breaking through, I am so excited to have today's guest with me. He has definitely gone through his own interesting life journey. He has become not only a best-selling author and he presents and he's a speaker and he's a franchiser of Journey Fitness 333. But prior to that, he spent a decade in prison because he's a bad boy. Just kidding. He got kind of put in prison for a nonviolent drug offense. But once he came back home and started to rebuild life, he realized he wasn't done everything from going through a flooded home to being unemployed and just working through a lot of challenges. He has come out of his own closets in life. I'm very excited that I met this guy and I'm just really, really blessed to have Travis Barnes join me today because this is a true coming out story of a different type. And as you know, if you've listened to the podcast, we tell all sorts of coming out stories here. And I think his will inspire you and help you see that whether you've been in prison or you've been imprisoning yourself in your own life, you too can come through those closet doors and go out and be totally who you are in the world. So Travis, buddy, I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today. So thanks for being here, man. Oh, me too. Me too. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Super excited to be here. Yeah. Yeah. And I I wish I told Travis before we came on, I wish we were like sharing the video of this because he's all, he's all dolled up and looking pretty hot. He'd be slaying some people out there with as good as he looks here. But um, it's just, it's such an interesting world when you get to cross paths with people um, as we have, and suddenly you connect the dots that there's a whole lot of similar stuff that happens. So um, you didn't just wave a magic wand and suddenly life was wonderful, you know, got out of prison. Now let's go build this. There was really a lot of stuff you came through. So let's kind of just dive in wherever you feel comfortable, man. Like, you know, when did you finally start realizing, okay, I got to break through and breaking through is what's really going to take me to where I want to go in your life. Yeah, You know, Rick, I think I would start when I came home from prison because you know, during my journey through incarceration, of course, there was a lot of self-discovery. Uh, there was a lot of, you know, I had to confront myself a bit and, and you know, change my ways. But then when I came home, the first question was, will anybody hire me? Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Major League where Charlie Sheen is getting the call and he's still in prison to come to spring. Yeah. Well, they had put resumes in for me at local gyms because prior to going to prison, I was employed in the fitness industry and 
And I just continued my work while in prison. I, I trained people for tunas and stamps. That was a uh, prison hmm. currency. And so when I came home, uh, all I had done is further my education and fitness. And uh, so that was where I was going to try to work. And I was getting calls at the halfway house. And the halfway house has a shared payphone. I'm not sure whether everybody's even familiar with payphones nowadays. But, uh, <laughs> exactly. Well, those are those things in the center, uh, you know, that ring and uh, everybody's sharing it anyway. Everybody's answering. And uh, so finally, the fitness center gets a hold of me. One time I'm at the halfway house when I'm not working in this laundry, which was my first job out of prison. And uh, somebody's like, hey, Travis, you got a call. And so now I'm talking to the manager of this fitness center that wants to hire me. He says, yeah, um, we keep calling you. And uh, I guess it's your roommates that answer. And then uh, and then they're like, and sometimes it rings a few times. And then it seems like a fax machine picks up, which is what a payphone does, by the way. Right. right. And uh, I said, uh, yeah, um, uh, I'm, I'm going through some transitions right now. <laughs> you know, like I didn't know what to say. So, yeah, my first closet is, of course, you know, you start this new job. Uh, wondering, you know, how much about yourself is okay to reveal so that you can still get hired, because that is every convict's fear. Will I even be able to get hired after being released? And then I get this job, and, and I'm so fortunate to have been accepted by this company, by this owner, by the people in the company. They were all just good souls, really, good souls yeah. that were willing to, you know, give a guy a second chance. And then I'm working in this physical therapy slash fitness I want to tell you about one of the most emotional times that I had coming home from prison. Now, when people would tour prisons, like criminal justice groups, if they walked too close to an inmate, an inmate was asked to turn, face the wall, get on their knees and have their hands behind their head so that they could pose no threat to the group. Right. Or sometimes they just simply lock them in their cells. But if there was that situation, I had to get on my knees, put my hands behind my head and face the wall. Now I'm working in this fitness center that graduates physical therapy patients, elderly people who have just had knee surgeries, and I'm holding this woman's hand. She's probably close to 70 years old, give or take a few years, and she's holding my hand while she's doing these compressions on this BOSU. So this BOSU, for those that may not be into fitness, it's like this half round ball, you know, you do a little compression right. on it. And she's like, she was so afraid to get on that ball. But she looked at me and she says, the only reason I can do this is because I trust you so much. And I had gone for 10 years of not having anybody trust me. You know, I mean, right, right. inmate is not somebody to be trusted. Like I just described those situations. And so that was like the first time where it, it was such a weird feeling because, of course, it was a huge compliment. Right. I almost wanted to cry when she said that. But on the other hand, I was also feeling if you only knew. If you only knew that this guy that's holding your hand right now did 10 years in prison, would you still feel the same way? And so like, that was my, my first time, because then of course, as you get close to people, there's two different forms of lying, right? Lying right. is just outright lying. But then sometimes lying is like trying to pretend to be something that you're not or, or mm -hmm. keep details from people that they're close enough to you that they should know those details, but you're afraid of how they would respond so right. I would get close to people, close enough to where we would, you know, have coffee and, you know, go places together. I'm like, I should really tell this person. But I didn't want to tell the person because I didn't want to that, lose that chance to be part of society, you know. Right. And um, so that was one of my first experiences. And I had many experiences like that where there would be, 
different friendships or relationships that would start and they were good professional people. And I, I almost started to feel guilty. I almost started to feel like, well, you know, here's this orthodontist. He's a really good friend of mine, this guy, Tony. I uh, started off as a training client and now we're hanging out all the time. Is he still going to want to hang out with me if he knows that I'm coming from 10 years in prison? Right. So that was kind of like my first life, life uh, uncloseted slash closeted yeah, yeah, experience. Yeah. Right. Because then I would come out to them. I'd come out and I'd just be like, you know, hey, listen, we've been friends for a while and I just got to tell you something. Uh, I feel like it would be better for us to not be friends and have me tell you than for us to continue to be friends and you not know. And so I just would tell him, I'd be like, you know, I want you to know I spent 10 years in prison for a nonviolent offense. And the reason I use that orthodontist as an example, he's the type of guy that changed his clothes to go to Lowe's because he would have patients that if they saw him in Lowe's and he was looking kind of scruffy, they would talk about him. So I'm like, well, what are they going to say about him if they see him with somebody, right. you know, as a known convict that spent 10 years in prison and he just didn't know, you know, so that was my first experience. And, and then I started growing in the fitness industry and I, I had even higher and higher level experiences where I, I think that when we uh, keep things, when we think we have to carry our scarlet letter, we're allowing people or what people might think of us to steal our power. Yeah. I had no idea how powerful my truth was until I met Todd Durkin. It's interesting that you, you have used <clears throat> so much similar terminology as someone who is coming out of the closet around their sexuality, you know, the hiding your truth and wanting to be honest and feeling like you need to share this with people so that, you know, there's nothing hidden. And it just, it was so cool to hear you talk through that Travis, because people need to hear this. They need to hear that we are not that different in our journeys out of whatever the closet is. And there's power in realizing whether you're a ex-convict or you're hiding in the closet in your sexuality, or you're someone who says, well, I just, I can't have a voice. I can't come out and have a voice because, you know, everybody thinks I'm weird or everybody thinks I'm such a fraud or whatever it is. There is power in your truth. And I'm glad you <laughs> kind of wrapped up that segment there about saying that because there is power in our truth. Doesn't mean everybody's going to embrace us. I mean, I'm, I'm going to assume that not everybody has like had that same reaction, but I'm curious, have you had a negative reaction from someone who's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that you've lied to me. You've da 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 da. Have you had any of that happen for you? I would say I, I haven't exactly had the the outright forthright type of reaction that you're speaking of, but I've had people that I know uh, have chosen, uh, have basically not chosen me and chosen others to associate with because like, you know, listen, I, I'm a police officer and I can't just keep on associating with that guy or, or I, you know, I'm, I'm high up in this correctional uh, department, you know, right. in fact, in fact, here's what happens. When we do have, we're part of a big correction city where we started our first location. And some of the correctional officers that have come to work out with us and love our program mm -hmm. for their journey fitness franchise, well, some of them that come, they get backlash. They're like, hey, did you know that that guy is a ex-con? You know, what are you doing going there? They'll say to these people. And, and you know, then they have to defend themselves. And, and that's really sad because, of course, they're working in an industry that should hope 
that somebody gets out and does something positive with their life. So you would right. think that that industry would want to support it. But of course, there's a lot of prejudice that gets developed because, uh, you know, they get jaded, right? You know, so I'm yeah. not judging. I'm just saying that it's more so uh, the thing that's been the most hurtful for me is to see people that were willing to take a chance on me and, mm-hmm. and trust that I was a changed person and, and have a relationship with me that they had to deal with backlash just to have that relationship. You know, that kind of thing is, uh, it's hurtful, you know. It's hurtful. Yeah, but the, it's the same thing that happens in the LGBTQ experience. You know, there will be people who are fully embracing. And then there's people who are like, okay, well, yeah, but can you not act so gay when you're with me? <laughs> I'm like, okay, but define, please. What does that mean? You know, and even what I just said, some people would say, well, you just said define, please. I'm like, well, I've heard other people say that word and that doesn't make them gay. You know, it's just, it's very interesting. And then there are those that are like, okay, well, you know, and the favorite is, well, you know, that's fine. But, you know, God has told us to love the sinner, but not the sin. I'm like, okay, well, okay. Then you know what? We probably just don't even need to try to be friends or acquaintances or anything because I'm not here judging you. I'm literally not doing that. And so I think this is something that truly does happen regardless of what the closet is. In fact, I was working with a client of mine just this past week who's making a big life change and he's, he's moving out of a very solid, steady space in his world, in his career to take a risk to find his passion and purpose. And he's already getting the backlash from people like, what are you? I can't believe you. I'd give anything to make the kind of money you are and da, 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 da. And it's just another piece of people like putting that judgment out there in front of, Hey, this is how somebody else is choosing to live their life. This is how Travis chose to like, I'm going to go rebuild my world in this way. So as you've done the rebuilding, what do you feel like it's been? Cause it's always interesting to hear people's, like coming out stories and then go, okay, so you made this decision, you got out of prison, you decide you're going to move things forward. What was one of the most difficult things as you kind of did the quote unquote reentry into society? Yeah. Well, you know, first, if I could backtrack just a little bit to that. No, you, that- it's my damn show. You cannot backtrack. I'm kidding, man. But the guy that's going to go find his passion and purpose, I think that we all have something in common. And that's why I'm feeling so cold to speak on it now is that uh, even that situation you were describing where the person is like, well, our God tells us that, you know, okay, so you got a certain book and your certain book that you, you know, go by, you know, that says that this is what God thinks is what you're going to use to judge me off of. Like, you know, the whole thing is all about ego versus the authentic self. This guy that's getting out there to live his passion and purpose is chasing his true authenticity. But throughout life, our ego gets in the way and tells us things like we are what other people think of us, right? Mm-hmm. We are what we've accomplished. Yeah. Like here's the one for the label that that person was using. They identify with a certain label and then they use that label to judge you. Uh, that person was thinking that they were separate, right? Yeah. The belief that we're separate is an ego-based belief, you know? The Absolutely. Belief that we're separate from God or separate from each other you know, I mean, if we got rid of all these labels, we'd, we'd be understanding that we're just all coming from the same place, going back to the same place. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all energy of some sort. Right. You know, right. I mean, so, like, you know, I, I just wanted to I just wanted to speak to that for a second, because that's a big calling to me. So yes. often 
I was carrying around my scarlet letter because I was not living my authentic self. I was trying to be whatever I thought other people thought of me or maybe what I could accomplish, you know, to redeem myself. And it's only been in the last couple of years I've really realized that I'm not any of those things. And I want to chase that passion and purpose. So chasing that passion and purpose after I came home and to answer your question, you know, one of the most difficult things I encountered, I did not always keep that fitness job. I came home after a decade of incarceration and to all the listeners, sometimes your adversity becomes your advantage. Well, I'd already dealt with prison for 10 years. I got, I worked hard. I got us a home of our own. It was flooded to the second floor after only two months of owning it. Yes, we got hit by a tropical storm or, the rivers rose, the home flooded. I was at the lowest point in this town that I was living in and our house looked like a submarine. Then I'm let go from my employment while I'm trying to rebuild my house and living in a FEMA trailer. So my wife and I become traveling trainers and to fast forward this story, several months later, we get the opportunity to start what is now today, the Journey franchise. And in starting the Journey franchise, I mentioned earlier, I did a little name dropping about this Todd Durkin that made a big difference in my life. And how that came about is now we're starting our own business. And I said, who do I want to mentor us in this process? Because just like the listeners are listening to a podcast today, and Rick, just like we met through you being a coach to me and speaking, you know, I, I think it is a must read the books, go to the conferences, listen to the podcast, get a coach in your life. And I got Todd Durkin. And so as I shared my story with Todd Durkin, he says, you got to write a book. I'm like, wait a second, Todd, what you're talking about here is sharing my story with the world. And I said to him, I said, Todd, if I share my story, I'm going to lose half my clients. I mean, they're from the correctional industry. I'm in a big corrections town. He says, anybody that you were meant to lose, let that be the filter. But I guarantee you that you'll gain a lot more than you lose. And this is where, yeah, this is where we're all, all alike, right? We all struggle. We all struggle. So the toughest moment for me was when I applied to be in Todd Durkin's group. There's a group called the Power of Ten. It's a mastermind. It's a pretty elite mastermind in the fitness industry. And I was just hoping to get in. And so I applied to get into his group. I'm accepted. I'm loving these connections. I kind of feel like I've arrived. You know, I've been accepted by some pretty cool people that are moving and shaking and doing good things. And so then I have to share my story with Todd and how I shared that story was I, I wrote it out, you know, and I said, hey, I just want you to read this. You know, we were staying in a hotel together and I'm like, you know, when you go to your hotel room tonight, will you read this? And so all night I worried and I was seriously concerned. I mean, Todd is a good hearted man, but I didn't know how he'd react to my situation. Right. So all night I was, I barely slept because I was like, am I going to be thrown out of this group? You know, am I, am I now going to lose I got these, you know, honestly, it still brings tears to my eyes because I know that scared person that I once was thinking, I love these people and all I want them to do is love me back. And I don't want them to judge me for, you know, that I was incarcerated. You know, I mean, I made a mistake when I was young and got involved with some drugs and had an addiction. You know, I'm hoping that that won't be what I'm judged by. And, And the next morning I was greeted with a hug and more respect than I had before that. And I was just like, I was blown away. uh, And it was just ever since it's really helped me to continue to share my story and help others by sharing my story to get out of their closets, really, just like what you're talking about. You know, you don't have to walk around with that scarlet letter. 
You don't have to let people steal your power. You don't have to live in the ego of thinking, I am what other people think of me. No, you are your authentic self. And the best part of who you are is your pain. Your, there's strength in our struggle. And, and that's something that um, having that moment with Todd, uh, that really helped. That really helped uh, because I, was, I, I felt like I arrived and then I was about to lose it all and just sharing my story. You know, And it's interesting that you refer to that scarlet letter because many people in the LGBTQ space carry the LGBTQ as the scarlet letter on their lives until they realize there truly is power in being who you are. And that when you aren't being who you are, you are fully allowing other people to steal your power. Mm. Cause there's, there's no way you can, there's no way you can live at peace with yourself. And as I work with individuals who come to do the private one-on-one coaching with me, like they do with you, one of the things I always notice is the moment that someone realizes the power of turning off somebody else's judgment and embracing who they are is when things really start to shift. Because if you don't allow the judgment of others to impact you as a gay person or somebody who's been in prison or somebody who's going to leave a job that's a high-flying job that others go, oh my God, I wish I had that. As soon as you release that power coming from others, which is actually not really power, it's its its own prison. Then you step into the true power of who you are. Now, I don't think either Travis or I are going to say it's a cakewalk from there because you're going to, the more you turn up the volume of your own power, and you start to turn down the volume of letting others steal your power, oh, it's going to come at, at you with a vengeance. Absolutely. Because you're going to get tested. Now, I don't say that to like make somebody go, okay, then forget it. I'm just going to live who... No, I'm sharing it as a truth because this is where the res- resilience and the perseverance will start to pay off because the more you embrace this, it may because... Travis got out of prison and then he got his home and then this got flooded. And then these things happened. You will learn very quickly that whatever you're being given is the training ground for the next thing you're going to be given. And the next thing, and the next thing, there is not one person I have worked with who has worked with me to come out of the closet about their sexuality. That suddenly, and I kind of do mean the word suddenly there's something else in their life that they start coming out about. And then there's something else because it's almost like once we've mastered the skill, so to speak, then we can say, well, you know, I really don't fucking like my job either. Okay. Well then are you going to be honest about that? Are you going to be truthful about that? Are you going to allow that to be your truth? That's where I believe the power really starts to show up. And I believe in your world, especially in the fitness world, you probably see this all the time. The power happens once somebody says, I'm giving myself permission to do this. I'm going to quit letting food or beliefs that I'm always going to be, you know, heavy or whatever it is, steal the power any longer. Absolutely. And, you know, success, success begins with a healthy relationship with yourself, right? You know, like I find that some of the biggest fitness breakthroughs happen when the person is willing to love themselves as they are, you know, Mm -hmm. want to have a better body, better health, better mobility, whatever the issue is but they have to start off by loving themselves where they are. And, you know, this is not, 
the things that we're talking about today, I guess it, it, I should be really clear too that it's not like uh, when you get stuck in the ego that you get to just get rid of it and have like uh, an egodectomy. Right? Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, like I, I kind of keep on returning and saying, how am I doing with this? Am I still loving myself right? Am I still being authentic? Because I would say after, I, I talked about a couple of good moments, you know, I come home and then there's so having this elderly lady trust me that typically wouldn't have been allowed, you know, within a half a mile of me if she was, you know, visiting a prison. But then, you know, there's the Todd Durkin moment. And then I'm trying to prove myself. I'm trying to prove that I'm, I'm part of this world and, and I, I deserve your respect, right? As soon as you start thinking like that, that's dangerous, right? Yep. Because why should I care, you know? Yeah, exactly. To, to be independent of the good opinion of others is really a great goal. Right? Mm -hmm. And what I learned along the way, here's something that the pandemic recently taught me, is I think that there were times when I was still trying to compensate. Like, you don't have a record and I do. So I need to have several businesses and, and different toys and things like that, just so that I'm worthy of your respect. I, I, I got to somehow 10x what you've done just so that I can be your equal. Yep. And it was honestly a blessing for me to suffer so much through this pandemic as a fitness business owner that had to have closures and, and lose a good portion of our members and, and really struggle just to see if we can make it to the other side and still reopen our doors because I came to an important realization along the way. And that was that my ego was telling me that I was what I had. Mm -hmm. But here's for, for the listeners. If all we are is what we have, then when we lose what we have, do we lose who we are? And right. see, that's like another good check, right? Because sometimes when we're living life in the closet, we begin to compensate rather than step out. And I would mm -hmm. say that there were times rather than just stepping out more and just being more of my authentic self, I was trying to cater to the ego that needed to kind of hide in the closet and could hide under things or under accomplishments or those kind of things. And that's just not who we are. No. Uh, so that's what I would say this pandemic has been like if there were three three moments, you know, of course, the moment of being accepted into that elite group and the moment prior, you yeah. know, that elderly woman, these are kind of revealing moments. But another revealing moment was uh, during the pandemic. Uh, Travis, you still weren't very comfortable with yourself because at first you were still thinking that you were those things, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, you know so that's a, that's kind of a form of a closet or a form of hiding from just stepping out and being who you are. Absolutely. And it's an interesting correlation you just pulled together here, Travis, because yes, the pandemic has been so interesting for everybody. But one of the things I've seen is when we start to realize that our thoughts, and this is something that, you know, if anybody who's listened to this, you've heard it other places, Oprah to Maya Angelou to any, any of the great, you know, Wayne Dreyer, any of these people kind of talk about this, but our thoughts are not our truth. And once we learn to master the thought process or take a thought and realize it is what it is without that sounding super flippant, it's just a thought. So you can change the thought in the next thought. And this is an interesting space to play. And I've seen this over the last year or so of this beautiful little Petri dish of a pandemic we've all been in that so many people have started to come very empowered with their thoughts because here we are, we're, we're isolated and here we are, you know, we're keeping social distance and everything. So for a lot of people, it's like, okay, who do I become? And one of my clients sticks out 
in particular because he was a very isolated gay man to begin with. And now that isolation just compounded. And I didn't think he was going to continue working with me only because, you know, hey, he's he's kind of like, okay, I don't even know if I got a job, you know, because of this pandemic. And then he ended up keeping his job and everything. But as we worked, he said, you know, the loneliness is actually getting worse. I'm like, so do you see the value of what we've been trying to work on that you kind of built the, the barriers and the loneliness around you prior to this? Now you don't really have a choice, mm-hmm. except you do have a choice. And he said, what do you mean I have a choice? I said, well, you've always got a choice, number one. But I said, even in this pandemic, you have a choice whether you're going to isolate more or you're going to use this as the opportunity to start to connect because now you can connect with a built-in safety barrier between you and the people you want to connect with. Maybe you're only going to be able to connect via Zoom. Maybe you're only going to be able to connect via an app. Maybe you're only going to be able to connect via phone. But that gives you the safety which is what you were scared of. Like, Oh my gosh, if I go out and interact with people, you know, they're going to see me. They're not going to like me. Da, 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 da. I said, utilize this moment to start brushing up on your skills on how you want to collect so that you don't get lonely. Mm-hmm. And of course I could see, you know, as I was chatting with him on zoom, I could see the daggers kind of coming from his eyes. Like, Oh, screw you, Rick. <laughs> but I knew I was doing exactly what I wanted him to think about. It's like, let's turn this into a positive. Yeah. Now you got the playground. You got the playground where you don't have to go show up at some event that petrifies you. You don't have to like quote walk into the next gay bar, which I never advocate. And nothing wrong against gay bars, guys. I don't want to. I don't want to start getting hate mail there. But for a lot of people, those are scary situations. Right. So how can you take this beautiful, even though pain in the ass pandemic, and start to use it to your advantage? And I think many people don't do that. And you're living proof of that, Travis, that you took what what could have like taken your life and you could have just come out of prison or ended up staying in prison because you're like screw this this sucks i'm going to be an asshole and you know whatever woe is me but you found the opportunity in the pain yeah i don't think enough people do that and you know i think that was such a deep share that we kind of just glossed right over when you just talked about that we're not even thoughts you know like it's so interesting and just to be a little scientific on this, um, that we can determine the different control rooms where mm-hmm. a thought comes from. Yep. But nobody's found the commander yet, right? <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like, like the whole idea is, yes, oh, we can tell that this part came from, you know, this part of the brain lit up. But yep. who's making that part of the brain light up? And, and the important thing that we're sharing right here is that if you change your thoughts, you change your life. Yes. If you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Right. And that's the thing, seeing the opportunity. I mean, for me, I I saw I had to see the opportunities. Like, for example, when I was incarcerated, I found out two weeks after I took this ride that cost me a decade of my life in federal prison that we were having a baby. Mm -hmm. I got to be out for the first year of that baby's life because things can really drag out in the court system for a while. But eventually my daughter, Destiny had to grow up for about 10 years without me. And so when I was in prison, I had to make a very important choice. You know, there was a lot of important choices, but 
One was, what kind of father, what kind of husband will I be from prison? <laughs> well, let me tell you, I mean, that's a, that's a challenging thing to even think that you could be any sort of good one from in there. And I decided that I was going to write every day. I decided that at Easter time that I'd draw a treasure map and, you know, that they'd hide candy according to the map. That at Halloween time, I'd draw the face for the pumpkin and that they'd carve the pumpkin and that I'd half color drawings. And in even the most adverse circumstances, what I just want to share is that I believe that we have opportunities, even in those adverse circumstances, to, to live a, a, a fulfilling life, a fulfilling life no matter what's going on. You know, and, and what I've come to realize now is that, like you were just sharing about the pain, about the struggle, you know, that that becomes the best part of who we are. Our, our adversity later on is our advantage, you know risking during this pandemic was pretty easy because I, I've been on lockdown before. <laughs> right. Right? So, you know, at least I'm not going back to prison. Right. So I guess I just share that to say that no matter what you're struggling with, you, you do have to change the way you look at things. If you want things to change, right. You have to see the opportunities and everything. And uh, I, I just loved your deep thought right there about, you know, that we're not even the thoughts that we're having. In fact, right. we're the commander behind them. So, so let's get in control of some good ones. You know? Well, and I love that you brought that commander piece up because some people listening to that are going to go, okay, I kind of get it, but we're kind of going deep. I'm like, okay, it doesn't have to be that deep. Here's, here's the simplest way that I've found. And I have to do this work on myself, folks. I'm not, there's by no means am I saying I'm perfect at this, but there, I, I will actually use something that's happening as we're recording this podcast. So many of you who've listened know that we went on hiatus at the beginning of the year because I fell and broke my wrist and I'm in, in physical therapy. I'm getting movement and everything back. But just in the last probably week to 10 days, I'm not going to gloss this over. This motherfucker has been hurting like a bitch because we're in the healing process. We're starting to get the movement back and we're starting to push the movement even more and more and more. And in the last week, there have been many times that I'm just like, I can't do this. I can't, I can't push through this pain until I ask this one question. And this is about your thoughts. How true is that? How true is that? And one of the most enlightening things that I feel like I have taken away from my own coming out journey. And I didn't know that question when I was coming out of the closet, it wasn't until I started doing the deep work and, becoming a coach and really learning to like, look at things from different perspectives. There isn't anything in life that you're going to go through that if you allow the thought to take over, that could take you to your knees, but you can stop it by saying, how true is that? Because until it's truly true, it isn't happening. It does not happen until I know absolutely beyond a shadow of a doubt that yes, my wrist is hurting and the physical therapy at times like just is excruciating. But until I absolutely know I can't go through that, it is not true. And every day that it passes, even as we came on this podcast today, my wrist was hurting big time. And even as we're recording, I'm like doing some exercises, moving my wrist around, keeping it, you know, getting that movement going. But I know my thought isn't going to hold me back. And I think a lot of those things are the things that we forget to think into. That's really good. You know, I, I had a gym member just this morning wearing a T-shirt that said that we can limit ourselves by our challenges or we can challenge our limits. 
And to that point about embracing your pain and working through this process, when I was first incarcerated, I was asked to speak in a program called Life of Crime. And, you know, now we're speaking internationally. I'm working with Rick and, and all kinds of great things have happened. But back then I never spoke to anybody and, and they wanted to bring me into a courtroom in shackles and chains where parents and kids were court ordered to be there. Right. And so now I'm like, what to share? And I, oh, I broke all the rules of speaking the first time. I'm hyperventilating. I wrote on a piece of paper what I was going to say. I was going to read from the paper. And there was this woman, Patty Kitchen, that after I, you know, kind of got done with my very superficial speech of saying to the kids and to the parents, yeah, you know, don't do drugs or bad. You could end up here type of thing. Patty would say stuff like, tell them about your daughter. Hmm. She would get me to go to these places that I didn't want to go. Yep. And what I want to share with the group, since I was addicted to drugs enough to cost myself a decade of my life in prison, is that my best work, my best recovery work came from having somebody like Patty Kitchen challenge me to go to places that hurt me to talk about. Because when I got emotionally connected to what I was talking about, so did they. And I found a connection with the person. And this is the story that we're talking about for Life Uncloseted, isn't mm -hmm. it? I mean, yep. this is really like, is. we're talking about going to the places that scare us, yes. going to the places that cause us pain, being willing to share those places with other people, even though you got to be super vulnerable to do it. And just being willing to say, you know, on the other side, here's the reward. No matter how this person receives it, I get to be more of who I am. Mm -hmm. I get to take my power and try to use that power for good. And I saw in those times being a, uh, an untrained speaker, I saw kids apologize to their parents and, and both of them crying and, and hugging. And where did that came from? Where did that come from? It came from that, that place where we go that we're afraid to go that place where we go, where it hurts to go. And that's what you're talking about right now, right? Rick, Rick with your wrist and everything, you know, we, we got to go through the struggle. You know, you got to embrace it because that's where, that's where the gold is at, right? It's diamonds that are made under pressure, right? We got to go in there. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And one of the most vulnerable pieces, and, and since you brought up the diamond, I mean, it takes one, I think most people know this about diamonds. It takes one slight move and you shatter that beautiful diamond. And, but yet in the shattering is also when you learn some of the most beautiful stuff. There was many times in my life. And I remember one of the very, well, two moments in my own personal speaking career and neither one of them were planned. There was no, like my ego was so out of the, my ego was so checked out of the moment that it wasn't like, Oh, do this because then, you know, they're really going to think you're great. I remember standing on stages and saying, I was an asshole. I cheated the entire time I was married. In fact, I cheated from the moment I met my ex-wife because I was so ashamed of who I was. So I painted the picture of who I thought I was supposed to be so that everybody would say, oh, Ricky, such a great guy, da, 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 da. And I remember going, oh my gosh, I just admitted to everybody, this is who I was. But it was also on the flip side of that, that it opened the door for me personally to remember that is not who I want to ever be again. And then that night I had a lot of people come up afterwards and I still, now it is part of what I talk about, but I had a lot of people come up and say, oh my gosh, 
that sharing helped me realize I, I can't keep hiding myself. And then the night I remember for the very first time talking about, I'm going to use the terminology. I don't agree that this is actually what happened for me, but that I was sexually, I'm going to use the terminology I like to say, sexually awakened at a very young age by another, by an adult. I didn't consider it abuse because it finally, the light bulb went off in my head like, oh, okay, now I understand why I look at guys and you know all this sort of stuff. But at seven, eight years old, I shouldn't have had that happen to me. And again, that just came out of my mouth one night on the stage. And I was like, oh man, I just opened up a can of worms. Mm-hmm. But it was a beautiful can of worms because it was the first time I, I mean, it's in, it's in the book I wrote and stuff like that. But I was scared to death because the vulnerability was there and there was no taking it back. And even now that I'm sharing it again, there's no taking it back. This is out there on the airwaves, but it's not because I'm coming from the place of ego. It's I want people to realize sometimes in our most vulnerable spaces is where we're going to grow the most. It's not even sometimes. Every time I've gotten the most vulnerable is when I grow the most. And when the world gets to experience the real Rick, you know, the the Rick that doesn't have to hide behind anything. And I think that that is the challenge for each and every one of us is to is to let the world know us, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of different terminology out there for that. But um, I, I heard Damon West say the other day, he says, I, I had him on our podcast and he says, lighthouses don't go looking for boats. And the whole idea is that we all have this unique light that we got to let shine, but you know, we, we want to turn off <laughs> the lights in certain rooms, right? Yeah. We don't want nobody to see this room. We don't want nobody to see that room. Before you know it, your whole house is dark. Yes. You know, you kind of blend in like there's not even a lighthouse there. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a beautiful lighthouse, and the beauty in the lighthouse is the pain that we had to go through to be who we are. Mm-hmm. You know, there, I mean, I wouldn't know who Travis Barnes was anymore without talking about a decade of incarceration, because it's a beautiful reference point. Whenever anybody's going through something, they can they can understand that I get it. You know, I've struggled. Uh, we may not have the same struggle right now, but but we're both we're both understanding that we can go through the depths of despair and come out to the other side, right? And that's really where we want to link arms and say, yeah, we can we can tackle this mountain. In fact, let me show you the way, because I've been on mountains this size before, you know? Uh, and, you know, that's a, it's just such an important uh, revealing thing that you just shared about uh, just being willing to be vulnerable, even in those spaces, because those are the spaces that can steal our power and rob the world from your light, yeah. you know? Also, I think it's what you just said is, is a really good space to kind of, <laughs> bring this full circle is it's the mountains. If we don't, if we don't surmount the mountains of our lives, then we're going to stay in our closets. And is it easy? Hell no, it is not easy. Even, even just talking about that stuff again, it always kind of gets me like, okay, I don't really like admitting this stuff, but without it, I don't keep growing. I, I know it's there. I can't hide from my past. I can't hide from my truth. I know it's there, but even in the moments that I share, I'm like, I want to make sure as I share it, it's not like, look what I did. This is it. No, I'm saying, hey, this is what happened. And here's how I used it to get to the next space I'm going. I still use it to get where I'm going. Anytime any form of quote unquote cheating shows up in my life. Oh, trust me. My past comes and stands right in front of me and go, you're really going to do this, man. You're really going to go there because I know I won't. Such a good point, but you could be more susceptible to going there if you weren't willing to first reveal that. Exactly. That because it had to, it had to get uncloseted 
for you yeah. to heal. Same for me. You know, there are many people that look at me as some sort of a hypocrite because here I am out there just living a legitimate life and just, you know, trying to, you know, share with whoever. And I'm like, well, wait a second. You know, you were this guy that did 10 years in prison. So I guess I'm still supposed to also just associate with people who could take me back there. Like I want to just chum around with them. And that's not who I want to be. So sometimes, of course, you'll be um, accused of maybe being on a high horse or something to that degree. But the truth is, because I've been willing to reveal that part of my life and use it as a strength, and I know that I that because I've uncovered it, because I've uncloseted it, I'll never go back there. And that's that's the strength. And I I don't think people get it until they're willing to take that stance on their own life and, and reveal some of those those very painful things, you know, reveal what it's like to, to hurt so many and, and hurt yep. yourself and, you know, make a mess of your life and, and be willing to then say, okay, well, what do I do with this? Mess? Well, and, and I believe too, where you're going with this is when we start to hear that from the other people, it really has nothing to do with us. Mm-hmm. It really yeah. has everything to do with them. And that's a, that's not coming from a place of like, screw them. It's a true observation. I catch myself doing this all the time. As soon as I start talking about somebody else, I'm like, okay, Rick, why are you doing this? What does that have to do? You know, it's just you doing your thing, like trying to make yourself look better. And it's still, it's going to call, it will always be something that's with me. I know that because that was how I kind of hid myself from the world. I was very good at deflecting like, oh, well, yeah, but you know, such and so da, 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 because the deflection is what kept me from living my truth. Now that I grasp that concept and know it, am I cured of it a hundred percent? Hell no, but I'm much more conscious and awake to it. And I will catch myself like, you know, on a weekend having a couple of drinks or something. I'm like, wow, but you know, such and so. And then I'm like, okay, well, okay, that's fine. Observe that. But what does that have to do with you, man? Absolutely right. nothing. Well, it's such a mature understanding, though, right? I, I've, I've just come to that not too long ago myself that, you know, judging others doesn't define them. It defines me, you know? Yes. So I'm, you know, I'm going to try to try not to do that anymore. You know, uh, it's uh, been a big, uh, a big step for me towards that authenticity. Uh, I've, I've never, well, I can't say never. I, I went to Catholic school and did different things and uh, but uh, I don't subscribe nowadays to any sort of religious label, but I do mm-hmm. consider that authentic part of myself to be that spirit that's covered up by so many things, right? I'm covered right. up by what I do. I'm covered up by what I've accomplished. And when I can just live in that space of, of not wanting to judge others, when I can live in that space of wanting to see that, that light in other people that tells me that I'm connected to them, that we're all the same, right? You know, and when I can just remove, whether it be a religious label or uh, a political one, an LGBT one, a a convict versus non-convict one, uh, you know, remove those judgments. Uh, You know, that's the space where I want to live in. And to me, that's the space where I feel the most in spirit or the most inspired. Mm. Otherwise I'm just taken away from that. So if you all want to connect with Travis, there's a couple of ways to connect with him. Um, Definitely reach out to him. He's hot on the speaking circuit. We're trying to get him out there more sharing his talks, his breakthroughs. Definitely go check out travisbarnspeaks.com. And then um, if you're interested in his podcast, 
It's called Overcomers Podcast and highly recommend listening to it. Yours truly will be on it in a few weeks, but um, we, we, us podcasters, we, we, we like just slut around with each other's podcasts and you be mine, I'll be on yours. No, I'm kidding. Well, that's kind of how it does work, but um, it, it's a really good space to like really play in those worlds. So I'd highly recommend um, listening to his podcast as well. So any last minute thing you want to say to everybody before we wrap it up here, Travis, you've given so much good information, but anything you want to share real quick? Um, just, you know, if you're, uh, if you're interested in the podcast, you've already said it all overcomerspodcast.com. If you want to connect with me, you can find me on Travis Barnespeaks.com. Uh, the franchise is journey fitness, 333.com. Those are the things we talked about today, but I just want to close by saying, thank you, Rick. Uh, it's going to be a, a big honor to have you on our show in just a few weeks. And, and I'm just uh, super appreciative of the honor of being on your show today. So thank you. Oh, thank you, man. And thank you listeners for listening. And I think Travis and I would both just say, realize you can overcome anything. It's all in your thoughts. And when you realize your thoughts can be changed, you can make a difference in your own world. So thanks for being here again, Travis. Appreciate you, buddy. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change your life. In fact, if you really want to change your life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.